the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears me. Sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Okay, then. Good morning to you. Thank you so much. It is nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. What am I thanking you for? You didn't do anything yet, right? Yeah, you did. You turned on the radio and you turned on AM 1420, The Answer, or maybe you told your app uh, or told the app to do it or you told your uh, home assistant to do it to listen to uh, the answer cleveland you found your way here and so for that i thank you truly uh, a lot of choices you have in uh, morning radio and the fact that you come here is not uh, unappreciated at all thank you so very much we've got a big show lined up for you this morning coming up a little change in the order of things in the batting order normally we have uh, jack windsor hit cleanup at the top of hour number three but jack's got other obligations at eleven ten this morning so he's going to join us here in uh, the leadoff spot, really, if I uh, want to continue that metaphor, and I may not. Um, but um, uh, Jack is uh, going to join us here at 935, and I'm looking forward to that conversation. There's a lot of things going on in the state of Ohio that Jack and I are going to discuss, some of which are issue one, the redistricting maps that were uh, apparently passed yesterday, late yesterday, uh, that gave final bipartisan approval to the new state maps that have been fought about now for uh, a couple of years. 
Uh, we're going to talk about the free speech story with the Brooklyn Beachwood football story that we told you yesterday. Jack's got some definite thoughts on that. And uh, also... Um, the Ohio Senate GOP. This is very interesting, and we're gonna we're gonna endeavor to get some guests on about this coming up in the next day or two as well. But the Senate Republicans in the state of Ohio in the General Assembly are starting their own news outlet. Why? Necessity, because they cannot get fair coverage from the giant newspapers in this state, all of which are left wing, all of which are incredibly. Uh, extraordinarily biased. And I'm talking about the Plain Dealer. I'm talking about, even worse, the Columbus Dispatch. I'm talking about, maybe worse than them, the Toledo Blade, the Cincinnati Inquirer, the the Youngstown Vindicator. All of these um, biggest newspapers in Ohio's biggest cities are so biased that the Republicans cannot get fair coverage in any way, shape, or form. And so they're starting their own media outlet. Republicans in the state Senate are creating their own media uh, uh, online newsroom, is what they're calling it. On the record, the views, the news excludes. That's a tagline in the Senate news release. This is very interesting, and I like it. I like it a lot. I like anything that is outside outside the box of mainstream, left-wing, legacy media. I like it a lot. So we're going to be dealing uh, with that a little bit today, and we're going to try to get some of these uh, uh, senators, uh, Republican senators on to talk about it here in the next day or two. So anyway, Jack Windsor and I will hit that a little bit coming up at 935. Also, a little bit later this morning, uh, at 1010, we're going to talk with Susie Weiss. Who is she? You don't know. You don't need to know a ton about her, but you need to know about her story. She is a former Senate page, and she wrote the amazing substack that I've referenced a couple of times in the last couple of days about the declining standards across America leading to lower productivity, efficiency, and output in every way, and how the dress code standard, which has been lowered just to meet the desires of a lazy, disgusting, Neanderthal human being named John Fetterman, who refuses to put on a suit and come to work, so they changed the rules for him, lowering the standards so that the lowest common denominator is met. It is repulsive. It is ridiculous. Well, former Senate page Susie Weiss um, is going to tell us about the way things are done in the Senate. She was a page. What they have to wear and still have to wear while the senators do not is just simply bizarre. And like I said, it's emblematic of that which plagues this country and its uh, and its productivity and out, uh, out, uh, output. And then we're also going to talk with uh, Logan Church. Who's Logan Church? Logan Church is uh, president or director of uh, uh, a Catholic organization. It's what I'll just call it in Ohio. Let me see if I can find the actual title. The Catholic Vote Ohio. Sorry, political director of Catholic Vote Ohio. And we're going to go in-depth on issue one. There's a new ad that has been released, by the way, by the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, knowing the facts about issue one. As we, Do you realize how close we are? I don't have the exact date. Maybe Seth uh, can find that out, the date of early voting. But if the election is November 7, and early voting starts 30 days before that, I'm guessing it's going to be around uh, October 7. So this is the this is September 27. I didn't give you the date, did I? 27th morning of the ninth month, year of our Lord, 2023. Um, so we're just, what, a little over a week away? Are we two weeks? A little less than two weeks away uh, from early voting starting. On issue one and issue two, which is which are extraordinarily important, obviously, uh, in this state. So we're going to talk to Logan Church 
about that. He uh, wrote a very, very good piece. Uh, Seeing beyond euphemisms, women and children are under attack in Ohio this fall. Spot on. So are parents. Early in-person voting is, Seth says, October 11th. Okay, so a little, so two weeks then. We'll call it two weeks because this is, this is, um, this is uh, September 27th. Is that 30 days? Seth, I mean, I don't have the calendar in front of me, but I probably should. Is that? I mean, I thought, I thought, I thought early voting had to be thirty. They had to allow thirty days for it. Yeah, I know, but uh, October, October eleven to November seven seems like it would be less than thirty days. That's why I'm complaining. Deadline to register is October tenth. Okay, so if we if we start voting, let me just pulling up a calendar here real quick. If we start voting on the 11th so then the 18th would be uh seven days the 25th would be 14 days the uh first of november would be 21 days and then the eighth yeah so it actually won't be 30 days because it would be to the seventh which is tuesday so it'd actually be 28 29 days just glancing at anyway it doesn't matter to me other than the fact that i want people to embrace early voting this time around we tried to push that very very hard in august uh, during the special election failed miserably did not get uh the kind of uh early voting response that we need we keep counting on being able to cast our votes when i say we i'm talking about conservative-minded people republican voters generally but we count on voting on just one single election day because that's how it's supposed to be doggone it that's how it was when i was younger and it's true it was but because of our embracing of Election Day, we run into all kinds of problems. Oh, the machines are out of ink. I don't know why they're not recording the votes. Oh, we're having a problem with this or that or the other thing. They always find a way, <laughs> long lines and other things, to uh, to deter or, or stop people from voting on Election Day. And so the left wing which has embraced early voting and ballot harvesting and all of the rest of the nonsense, they've been taking big-time advantage of us when it comes to these these elections. They're getting out there and banking their votes early for 30 days, and then we're coming in with IOUs. I promise you, I'll be there on Election Day. Don't you worry about me, boy. My vote will get cast and counted, and then boom. Uh, it just isn't happening. So we need to embrace early voting this time around. Anyway, we'll hit all of that with Logan. We'll hit that with Jack, and we've got a lot more for you. Uh, I'm going to do the pledge now because yesterday I got into, uh, I think, hour number two before we finally got to it because we had a guest at the top of the show. So, Patriots, go ahead and stand. Place, face your flag if you would. Place your hand on your heart and join us for our pledge. The unemployed quarterback says he wants to play again. I've been referencing him every day for the last three years since we started doing the pledge on a daily basis. He has been out of football for seven years, I think. I mean, quarterbacks have been drafted, started, and retired in the period of time since he last played. But he sent a letter to the New York Jets saying he wants to play football again. He wants to come and help them and rescue them from themselves and the terrible quarterback situation they have. The grift continued. Anyway, I always reference him during the pledge when I tell you that if you don't want to stand because you are a left winger who you know just despises this country and reviles what we stand for, then don't pretend and, and pledge your allegiance to the flag. Just be honest with yourself and instead take a knee next to that socialist quarterback that started that protest against America. Uh, I have more on that quarterback, uh, that socialist quarterback who is trying to continue the grift. 
It's exactly what he's doing, which I'll tell you about a little bit later in the program. But for now, those who want to and those who mean it with authenticity and uh, and sincerity, go ahead and stand and join us for this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Yeah, I just got a text message, by the way, Seth. Thank you. You were, you were spot on. My friend uh, Keith Davey from Lakewood West Park Conservatives just sent me a text with the specific general election dates. Nice little graphic here. October 10th, voter registration deadline, 9 p.m. October 11th, early voting begins. Vote by mail and in person. October 31st, vote by mail ballot request deadline. November 6th, vote by mail ballot, uh, ballot U.S. postmark deadline. And then, of course, the general election starts 6.30 a.m. on November 7th. So thank you, Keith. You echoed what Seth reported to me. So there you go. Now, um, that's a lot of introductory and a lot of information. Now I want to get to a story that I find very, very interesting. Um, maybe you heard it, actually. It was in the top of the hour news that we had for you. Um, retail theft is out of control in the United States of America. Some stores have been affected more than others. I want you to listen to this news report we just had for you at 9 o'clock. Seth? Just how bad have things gotten in some of America's biggest and bluest cities? Well, so bad that Target is closing nine stores, citing theft and violence. The stores Target is closing include one in East Harlem, New York, three in San Francisco, three in Portland, and two in Seattle. The closings are effective October 21st. The company describes the decision to close as difficult. Target says it has invested heavily in strategies to prevent and stop theft and has trained store leaders and security team members to protect themselves and de-escalate potential safety issues. But the company says it continues facing fundamental challenges to operate the stores safely. Yeah. Did you hear that list of of, uh, of locations? Nine stores going to close. Nine stores. One in Harlem, New York. Three in the San Francisco, Oakland, Bay Area. Three in Portland, Oregon. Two in Seattle. I don't think I have to ask you what those all of those locations have in common. I don't think I need to spell it out for you. You probably already know. This is one part of a much larger problem and picture that has been the result of the defund the police movement. All of these businesses are going under. All of these jobs are being lost because George Floyd died. You realize this, right? I don't know to this moment that Derek Chauvin actually killed George Floyd because I don't think he did. Uh, George Floyd had enough fentanyl and meth in his body to kill him six times over. The fact that he couldn't breathe, I can't breathe, was going on before he ever got onto the ground and had Derek Chauvin's knee in his back. But having said that, I still blame Derek Chauvin for everything that has happened since because that idiot knelt on George Floyd before George Floyd died and looked so ridiculously casual and cavalier about it. That touched off the defund the police movement, the abolish the police movement that is costing people their jobs to this very day. Three years later, costing businesses 
causing problem, causing under uh, policing in terms of uh, the major violent crime cities across this country. They cannot even retain cops. They cannot get people to join the academy. Even the cities and the states that demanded to defund and abolish the police then realized what a horrible idea that was and that have tried to pour a bunch of money into recruiting. They can't get anybody to come on anymore. This is all because of that. All because George Floyd died. This is going on. And here's the details. Here are the details. Retailers lost a record $112 billion in 2022 in lost inventory. That's theft. That's up from $94 billion in 2021. External and internal theft accounted for roughly two-thirds of those losses. The numbers are staggering. Target has realized we can't stay open in these types of cities. What types? Again, I I said I don't need to spell it out for you, but I guess I'll go ahead and say it. Every one of those cities is run by left-wing government, left-wing mayors and councils, and yes, they they are uh, uh, operated by by left-wing prosecutors, cities that will not allow police to do their jobs, and then when police do 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 their jobs and arrest these people, prosecutors let them go free. No bail, and very very often, no charges whatsoever. Left-wing policies are causing this. So Target announced Tuesday it's shuttering nine stores, all of them left-wing havens, three in Portland, three in San Francisco, Oakland, two in Seattle, and one in New York City. They cannot stay open. They're losing way too much money. It's not just a loss of profits. I mean, they're they're just taking losses, period, right? So I take those two stories, the bigger picture on retailers, then the target specifics, to bring you this story. A poll from NBC News dated yesterday. Republicans have advantages on immigration, crime, and the economy. Voters overwhelmingly say they trust Republicans to do a better job than Democrats when dealing with border security, crime, the economy, and immigration. I'm focusing on the second one there, crime. Republicans are trusted better by overwhelming numbers on dealing with crime. And yet, Democrats continue to win elections. Somebody explain to me how anybody in any of these, particularly in these big left-wing urban centers, can continue to vote for the party that they themselves, when surveyed, say won't do anything to stop our crime. Think about that. Find logic in that. Make that make sense to me. How can it possibly be? And I'll give you another example of it, because we've got to get a break here. We've got Jack Windsor coming. Officials saw one alarming trend that appeared in the poll. There was a dramatic drop in Democratic voters as to whether or not their party looked out for the middle class, which are the overwhelming number of victims of these thefts, by the way, because their stores are closing and their jobs are being taken away. The numbers are 34% for for Republicans, 36% for Democrats. While Democrats still have a two-point lead, that number is the lowest in the history of the poll, and yet they're still winning. What I mean by that is the GOP advantage on things like fighting and combating crime 
is the same advantage in, in the survey as it was in 2022 before the midterms. And yet Democrats came out and, and had a surprisingly strong midterm election. We were supposed to have a red wave. It never came. Why are people in Democrat-run cities and blue states continuing to vote for the party that, that kills and crushes them when it comes to the economy and, and crime and jobs? Why do they continue to slice their own wrists? It's a remarkable, remarkable story to follow. What a cycle that they've had themselves in. Well, Republicans do better at preventing crime. Okay, well, then who do you want to vote for in this election, Democrats? Why is our crime rate so high? Why are our stores closing? Why are our jobs disappearing? Okay, well, there's another election coming up. Who are you going to vote for, Democrats? What's going on? Why are our jobs all gone? You understand the the simple-mindedness, the short-sightedness, the shallow thinking of the modern America Democrat on display. I got more, and we got Windsor coming up on Always Right Radio, AM 4. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 937, I told you we uh, had to change up the batting order just a little bit. He normally bats clean up at the 11-10 slot for us, but now he's leading off. Jack Windsor on this Wednesday joins us now from the Ohio Press Network, also happens to be our Statehouse correspondent and my pal on Run It Back with Bob and Jack, our podcast that we are still uh, building back up again, hopefully not building back better, though. Uh, Jack Windsor, good morning, my friend. How are you? Hey, Bob, I'm over here stretching, man. Batting leadoff means I need to be faster. I need to get on first, steal second, steal third. Yes, yes you and, do. And uh, score that first run, man. Yes, you <laughs> I'm do. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always, always good to have you, Jack. So thanks for uh, for getting up early for us. So uh, we've got a lot to get into. You know, Jack, yeah. being in the, uh, in the uh, news business, which you are, and I always encourage people to subscribe to the Ohio Press Network, uh, because it's the other side of the news. It's it's you know I, I was just listing all of the uh, the largest newspapers in the state of Ohio, and they're all left wing. All of them are left wing. Some are worse than others. I think the Columbus Dispatch is probably as bad as it gets. Uh, the Toledo Blade, Plain Dealer, not far behind. Um, anyway, it's one of the reasons why the Ohio Press Network is so necessary because it's giving the full story, the whole story, not just the left side of the story. Well, apparently, the Ohio Republicans in the Ohio Senate feel the same way uh and they yeah. have they have kind of launched their own media i won't call it an empire but their own media platform they're calling it on the record the news the views excludes that's a tagline in the senate news release it says your elected officials represent you unfortunately the mainstream media is more interested in reporting a narrative than the news so they're going to put their own news out by way of this, um, you know, this this platform. Jack, what are your thoughts? So I have a call in to John Fortney, who really kind of runs communications there uh, in in the state house for the Senate. And uh, my my goal is to get uh, an interview with him and uh, Senate President Huffman. Now, I had Senate President Huffman on my radio show last week, so I'll I'll count that as a feather in my cap that he's willing to come on and, and talk with us. But here's what I make of it, and it's, it's twofold. I've got to be fair, right? Um, number one, I think they're absolutely right to say what they say, which is when you give information to a news outlet, they run it through a filter, and it, they make sure that it fits the narrative that they, that they want to communicate to the masses. That goes on. And anybody that, that is not willing to be honest about that 
probably isn't an honest person. So that is what it is. Now, the flip side of it is I hope that by doing this, yes, they bypass the, the liberal filter. But the critical point is they can't stop communicating with the press. That's, that's the thing that I, I really want to make sure that we're, um, that we're keeping that, that gateway open. Uh, even if, even if the press, if you perceive it to be liberal or if you perceive us to be conservative or, or whatever, still communicate with the press, let them do the job that they're supposed to do. And now you can have your blog, you can have your news outlet and you can state the facts the way that they are supposed to be stated, but don't, don't exclude the fourth estate. That's, that's the, the thing that I would say, um, that it's, those, those doors still need to be open. Now, what does that mean, Bob? That means that as consumers of news, we have to be more discerning and we have to stop spending time and money and putting our eyeballs on things that we know to be true. And frankly, when you look at the numbers, about 16% of people believe what they read in the newspaper. So I think we're already doing that part. So there's uh, there's coverage of this, Jack, by the uh, the the esteemed Jake Zuckerman uh, at Cleveland.com. <laughs> You, if, if you want, if you want to tell everybody why you're busting a gut right now, go ahead. Uh, well, you know, uh, Jake Zuckerman. Hey, I, I actually appreciate Jake because you know he has some vinegar about him, just like I do. And he wasn't. Uh, for, he doesn't. He doesn't back down from a tussle online, which is great. Um, but you know, he he comes from an outfit in Columbus that. When you look at its origin, I mean, I could be corrected if I'm wrong, and if somebody hears this and I am incorrect, please let me know. But the outfit that he's a part of is is funded uh, by extreme left-wing benefactors. And so, you know, this this outfit that he came from before he went to Cleveland.com is notoriously progressive, and they they, they tell you that. Um, and so, you know, that brand of reporting goes into his reporting. Um, and you know what? Maybe he's going to own it. I don't know. Uh, I did read his article. And, I mean, to his credit, I think he did give a fair shake. For the most part, there was one comment in there about the Supreme Court ruling on congressional and legislative maps and calling them unconstitutional. Of course, he didn't go into the weeds on it and talk about um, an activist uh Chief Justice and, and how she had a hand in that, but I wouldn't expect him to do that. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't either. And uh, just to, for, for clarity, the Ohio Capital Journal that you're referring to makes the Cleveland Plain Dealer look like Newsmax. Uh, I mean, that's that's how wildly, radically left the, the Capital Journal that gave birth to, uh, to J, Jake Zuckerman here. So in Zuckerman's story in Cleveland.com, Jack, I just want to quote, uh, because of where we are. Chris Quinn, executive editor at Cleveland.com and a plain dealer, is referred to by name eight times in a post on, on the record by the Senate Press Secretary Garth Kant. In an interview, Quinn called the Senate's media gambit a waste of taxpayer dollars, and he shrugged off most of the criticism. Quote, we are big believers in free speech, and we welcome anyone that wants to put out information, and good luck to them. We have a massive platform. We have millions of people visiting us every month because people know we're accurate, reliable, and truthful. What the Republicans are doing is propaganda. I, I have my own thoughts, and I'm going to refrain from you, uh, from uh, spewing them right now because they will come filled with profanity and invectives, Jack. 
uh, and I know you, you know, you're in Mansfield in Columbus as much as you are northeast of Ohio. So, you know, your familiarity is probably more with the dispatch. But I hear that from the executive yeah. editor of the Cleveland Plain Dealer in Cleveland.com, and it makes me um, almost physically ill. Well, I think it was Maya Angelou who said, "People don't remember what you did. They don't remember what you said. They remember how you made them feel." And so, a lot of times, our our vitriol or our visceral response or our goodwill comes from an experience. Well, I I can't speak to the entirety of what's factual and accurate at Cleveland.com because I don't read all of their stuff. Uh, Some stuff I've read, it it seems to be on par. Other stuff I've read and the way that it's positioned through headlines and tag, or excuse me, in subheadlines, you go, uh, okay, obviously they're trying to send a message here um, and, and find facts to fit the messaging. But here's my direct experience with Chris Quinn, and this is all I can give you on it. And uh, I believe it was 2021 when uh, the COVID response was the height of the news in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I was very active in uh, questioning Mike DeWine, John Husted, and Amy Acton. And I was also very active on my personal social media accounts. And uh, every year, Chris Quinn does this kind of annual wrap-up uh, year in review. Well, he highlighted me in that year in review. And essentially, and I, I can't repeat it verbatim, um, I've kind of forgotten what all he said about me, but what I feel like I remember reading was essentially, this guy's a quack, um, and I think he referenced some of my personal opinions on social media, not once referencing any of the credible journalism that I did on COVID. And so when he says, hey, we'll print anything and you know, we'll give everyone a voice, well, I reached out, and we are now in, what is it, September 2023? Yeah. Uh, Chris Quinn doesn't, didn't have the testicular fortitude to reach back to me and, and, and have a conversation about what I believe to be a false narrative that he tried to create about me in 2021. That's my experience with Chris Quinn. Well, I think that that pretty much underscores why the Senate Republicans are doing what they're doing, because he is in charge of this paper that he describes as having, you know, of huge reach and millions of people. And it's not because they're accurate. Uh, that's for sure. By the way, 944 a.m. on uh, Wednesday, 927, 2023. I'm sorry, I'm flagging the first time we have ever had a Maya Angelou quote being given by one of our guests. So, uh, that's that's historic. Um I'm diverse, uh, Bob. I, I went to a liberal arts college. I'm, I'm trying. So to, did I, I'm and, to and I majored. In, <laughs> I, I did too, and I majored in English while I was at my liberal arts college, Heidelberg University, and uh, I still didn't quote Maya Angelou, <laughs> or quite frankly, any other, <laughs> any other poets or author. Well, and not authors, but uh, poets uh, from from that time. So, okay, Jack. Since you brought up the maps, which of course is another yeah. huge story, it's uh, something we have all been following very, very closely. Late yesterday, uh, the new redistricting plan was unveiled after a lengthy, and again, I'm quoting from Cleveland.com, lengthy closed-door negotiations between Republican and Democrat commission members. It gives the Republicans an advantage in 61 of 99 Ohio House districts and 23 of the 33 state Senate districts, according to Keith Faber. Um, And it was passed with bipartisan approval, so the Democrats are okay with this. Your thoughts? Well, uh, kudos for uh, a unanimous vote, right? I mean, I think that this, and, and by the way, uh, th- these are legislative maps. Congressional maps are already locked in. So this is for state Senate and state representative um, right. districts. So, um, Which the left know. has been complaining about. That's why, you know, we have such an advantage in the state houses because of gerrymandering. But apparently they don't think this uh, is gerrymandering since they all voted for it. Uh, 
Well, they all voted for it. So the, the, the argument of gerrymandering kind of goes out the window. And look, Bob, people, uh, to, to call a preference for a way of governing gerrymandering is, is just blatantly dishonest. Um, people are, are pretty upset uh, that we want to call boys girls and girls boys um, and that we want to take away the right of a parent to parent and direct the education of a child. And there are, there are parties who are more uh, aligned with that uh, theology, if you will. And uh, so it, is it gerrymandering or is it, or is it Ohioans saying, you know, we tend to prefer uh, how Republicans govern over how liberals and socialists and communists govern. And, and I think um, sometimes we have to take the narrative, tear it down and rebuild it and call it what it is. But seven to nothing is unanimous. And my understanding is uh, I talked to Andy Brenner, state senator from the Delaware area, and he said, you know, Delaware is going to be a little more competitive, I believe, on the Senate level and then. Uh, there are, I think, two state reps that kind of touch that area. Uh, one is going to have a district that's more competitive. The other one is going to be less competitive. So, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I, I feel like the, the argument or the lawsuits that could go forward and say, oh, my gosh, this is gerrymandered, this is unfair, I, I believe this killed that in the water. Yeah, it probably does, even though some of them did complain. Allison Russo uh, said that uh, getting anything uh, that would be more fair is, quote, extremely difficult in the current environment. Uh, she said the Republicans uh, who control the redistrict- redistricting commission waited until the last minute to pass maps, and she called the state's current redistricting process a sham and rigged. So she was very critical of it while voting for it. So here we go. But at least this puts to bed something that, uh, you know, is very, very important. And I agree with you. I think it does essentially wipe out the argument that Ohio is uh, Republican controlled because of gerrymandering. It's been controlled because of what you just said. This is what the overwhelming number of Ohioans really believe is best for the state. And of course, the statewide offices, the ones that don't rely on districts uh, for election, but the statewide positions all swept by Republicans, uh, Republican candidates kind of gives everybody a real honest idea of of exactly how red the state of ohio is uh so this is this is the people speaking and doing it right so jack a couple of other stories um issue one um is is of course drawing a ton of fire uh from from both sides uh i'm watching and reading and being disgusted by so many of the lies and so many of the misrepresentations of what issue number one does um if that constitutional amendment passes, uh, actually, what, what what the way things would be if it doesn't pass. So what I mean is the yes on issue one, the pro-abort side, is trying to say that women won't have access to actual medical care uh, in the case of things like an ectopic pregnancy and so forth if this doesn't pass. That we have to pass this to save women's lives in addition to, of course, letting all individuals of any age make up their own minds on what they want to do uh, when it comes to their, quote, reproductive health and reproductive decisions. So there's a lot of misinformation being put out there, just like there was, in my opinion, before the special election on August 8th. Um, but this time around, there is a very, very massive media pushback, uh, meaning yeah. paid-for media, by the no on issue one side. How are you seeing this? Well, I'm seeing it as, um, I think this first ad or this ad that you're talking about, uh, I'm going to have a doctor with me next week. We'll write an article on it. I'll have him on the air. Uh, and we're going to talk about ectopic pregnancies and, and losing a child uh, prematurely, right? Um, but my, my understanding as a, as a human being who, as a father who's had a child uh, and gone through the process and talked to other doctors, ectopic pregnancies are not abortion. Losing a child early is not abortion. 
in, in passing this radical amendment will not afford any additional care that's not already there. So what does that mean? It means it's a blatant lie to say that a woman cannot get care if this amendment is not passed. And OBGYNs, I think, are going to come out of the woodwork and say, no, that is absolutely false. Now, what the amendment would do, um, and this is kind of going in the weeds on it. Just to, just it would to clarify, allow- Jack, if I may, real quick, for people who don't know and maybe haven't seen those ads, and they have spent a lot of money on making sure people do see them, by the way. But they're saying that ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages in general will not be allowed to be treated unless this constitutional amendment passes, meaning that a woman who is pregnant, whose baby dies in utero as she miscarries, is going to have to continue to carry that baby until until vi- the, what would be viability, even if it's uh, it's deceased, uh, putting putting the woman's life in danger. It is just absolutely abjectly false, but this is what they're putting out there, and that's why this is so important for us to get on top of, uh, again, for the yep. sake of accuracy. Please continue. Yeah, you're right. It is. It is false. Um, ectopic pregnancies and, um, and, and miscarriages are covered. Listen, in Ohio right now, because a, an activist judge in the Cincinnati area suspended the heartbeat bill, uh, abortion is, is legal up to 20 weeks. And by the way, even at the heartbeat bill level, so six, seven, eight weeks, somewhere in that ballpark, um, ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages are still not considered abortion and treatment would be available. So that is a lie. Based on my research, I will talk to OBGYNs next week. Here's the other challenge with the proposed amendment. The proposed amendment talks about um, a, a provider uh, who, who can make a decision about abortion for the individual. Um, so that provider can be an abortion doctor, and that provider may not be an OBGYN, and this amendment would then um, lower the standard for an abortion procedure that's my initial understanding. And it would also bypass the requirement to have some psychological care uh, for the woman who chooses to abort a child. And so if we're going to talk about care being taken away, it appears that a higher standard of care would disappear uh, if this amendment were to pass. Now, that is all gravy on top of the potatoes. And here are the potatoes. This amendment would allow abortion up to birth for matters of convenience because of the word health that's dropped in the amendment. And it would also allow minors to abort and gender transition without parental involvement. It would make Ohio one of the most radical states in the nation on those matters. And when people understand what is in that, 90% of them reject it. The challenge is we have a really short runway to educate people about what is really in the proposed amendment. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's it's. I'm struggling for somebody who benefits from this outside of the abortion mills and the uh, the trans perform uh, 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 trans performing uh, surgeons, you know, and, and big government surgeons. lovers, Bob, big well, government lovers, because this would eradicate parental rights and it would make kids who don't march along to the beat and parents who don't march along to the beat chosen by the government. Uh, it puts parents at risk for losing their kids. Yeah. So it, it's this this is total state control. This is unsafe for women, it is unsafe for kids, and it is horrific for parental rights. The only people who benefit from this are, like I said, the abortion doctors and the surgeons who perform trans surgeries or mutilating surgeries or prescribe, and I guess big pharma too, because they get to prescribe these, um, uh, you know, these cross-sex hormones and so forth in order to facilitate that process. So, uh, Jack Windsor, we didn't get to the free speech issue. We'll have to do that next time around, but thanks for getting up early and coming on with us. I know your schedule shifted just a little bit today. We always appreciate when you can come on. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for having me, Bob.
Don't forget to subscribe to the Ohio Press Network. That's Jack Windsor's Ohio News Outlet. You can find real news there as opposed to the stuff you're finding across the headlines of the left-wing newspapers in all of Ohio's largest cities. We'll take a time out. Come back after the top. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is. And uh, we've got a little bit of a shift here. We had a guest who was unable to join us after all. So that means we've got opportunities for you to be heard if you've got something to say. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Yesterday, at the close of the show... Um, we had a whole bunch of people who had a whole bunch of thoughts on a whole bunch of things, and I had to uh, kind of nip them in the bud because we just ran out of time. So if uh, you heard yesterday's interview with the superintendent of Brooklyn City Schools and you had some thoughts that you wanted to share and offer on that, I welcome you to do so uh, because that isn't going away. As a matter of fact, I saw a couple of television news reports on it last night in which it appears that the pressure is being put on Brooklyn to do even more to atone for uh, the uh, the use of the word Nazi in the football game, uh, and not as a slur, not as an attack, but as a as a call, as a play call, a line call, an audible call uh, in their football game against Beechwood. Uh, but they want more. They want more. Again, metaphorically speaking, they want more blood. They want more people to pay prices. Uh, and uh, I've got thoughts on it myself, and I may introduce those too, but I welcome your thoughts because I know a lot of people had things to say yesterday. Also, at the end of the program yesterday, we had a bunch of people calling about um, the uh, UAW strike because uh, we've done a lot on that in the last few days as well, talking about the damage it's doing to the Ohio economy, and this is all in response to uh, the interview that I conducted with a local UAW president, UAW, UAW Local 1005 um president joined us and just a few days ago and uh actually it was on monday right so two days ago anyway uh we had a really great conversation uh which was you know at times a little adversarial because i disagree with the stance that the union is taking on this whole thing we had a lot of people who had thoughts on it and uh if you want to get into this now like i said we have uh, an open period here because we uh, had a guest cancel so two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten i also want to go back and you can talk about either one of those things if you don't know either one of those things if you missed those interviews you don't know what you missed the uh, superintendent conversation from yesterday and the uh, uh, UAW president, uh, all, both of those are available at whkradio.com. You should listen to those off the podcast page at any time that you can. But if you already heard them and you've got thoughts, we'll take your calls now. But I also want to go back to the lead story that I had this morning. And I would like to know why you think it is that Democrats are so masochistic. Uh, and I mean that quite literally. It's, it's, it's masochistic. How can it be anything else? How can you admit that you know that something is bad for you and then continue to do it to yourself anyway? That's masochism, self-harm, right? That's not news. But what, what is news is that they continue to do the same thing. So I told you the story in the first hour about the retailers that have reported losing a record $112 billion. That's the amount of money, by the way, that was sent to Ukraine by the federal government. 
$112 billion um, to inventory shrink, as they called it in 2022, which is, a, which is a nicer way of saying they stole our stuff. $112 billion of stuff was stolen in 2022, according to the retail security survey published yesterday. External theft, just massive. And specifically, uh, it says that the problem is getting worse because the year before it was awful at $94 billion. And then it increased to $122 billion, and it's only getting worse. Why? Well, as I pointed out in the open, because uh, in far too many locations across the nation, police are not allowed to stop and uh, and to process and to arrest for retail theft crimes. In some places, California, for example, you can steal up to nine hundred or to a thousand dollars. So if you steal nine hundred ninety-five dollars with the goods, they won't pursue you and they will not prosecute you. Think about how many of those it would take then to add up to thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. And quite literally, that is what is happening. So these uh, communities and towns that have these businesses that people rely upon for their jobs are watching these businesses lose money so fast that they have to close, thus killing jobs. And Target was the example. We played the clip for you in the newscast. Target is closing nine stores across four different locations, all of them radical left-wing cities with radical left-wing prosecutors who have defunded police to the point where, or they have essentially made police so ineffective um, that these thefts continue. Target is closing stores in San Francisco, three of them, San Francisco slash Oakland, so the Bay Area, both left-wing progressive, anti-police, and anti-accountability cities. Uh, Seattle, Washington, two there, three in Portland, Oregon, just as bad, if not worse, than any of the aforementioned, and then Harlem in New York City. All The, the thing that they all have in common is they are all left-wing cities run by left-wing uh, uh, governments, local governments, that do not support law enforcement. It's the reality of it. And then bringing it home, this is a point I tried to make before the bottom of the hour, and I kind of got cut off. Here's a poll. This is an NBC News survey. I always like to point out the source of the polls whenever I have it, so that you can't, you know, people can't say it was a push poll because it was trying to make somebody look good or somebody look bad uh, on the right, on the right, you know, on the conservative side. This is NBC News. Republicans have advantages on immigration, crime, and the economy. Headline and the details. Voters overwhelmingly um, say that they trust Republicans to do a better job than Democrats on things like border security, crime, the economy, and immigration. By some smaller margins, registered voters also say Democrats are better on health care. That's because they want to give it away for free and turn us into a socialist nightmare like Canada is, where you can't get seen for a, by a doctor for six months. Abortion. Democrats are definitely better on killing babies. When it comes to killing babies, boy, nobody outdoes a Democrat. I'll tell you that right now. I'll, I'll concede. If, if NBC surveyed me and said, who's better at abortions? I would say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give the Democrats the nod on that one. Yeah, I'm generally, and we generally are kind of anti-baby killing. They're really, really good at it over there. So, okay, you have that one. Democrats are also rated better by the NBC poll on coronavirus. 
Yeah, on coronavirus. They are very, very good at coronavirus, too. They're good at promoting it. They're good at supporting its release from a lab in Wuhan, China. They're good at locking you down after that release. They're good at masking you up. They're good at jamming um, um, what we can only describe as experimental drugs into your blood bloodstream. Uh, yeah, they're very good at doing coronavirus. I'll give them credit for that, too. Yeah. Notice it doesn't say actually the right things, just they're, they're better at coronavirus. And they're also better at education. And given the fact that Democrats have controlled education for such a very long time at the higher education levels, and now it has creeped all the way, crept all the way down from uh, uh, the university level to the high school, the middle school, the primary school to the preschool level, yeah, they have overtaken education. And guess what? Democrats in charge of education has led us where? To 39th among world uh, nations in math. (laughs) We have dropped in every measurable uh, area in education across this country, and it's with Democrats in control of education. So I'm willing to concede every single word in this poll. Republicans are better at securing the border, better at fighting crime, better at growing the economy, and better at immigration. Democrats are better at uh, socialist health care, killing babies, spreading coronaviruses, and indoctrinating children in schools. That's I, I concur. But I want to focus on the crime one for a moment. The rest of that is just gravy on top of this this particular meal. When it comes to crime, um, the issues that I just described for you, are, are, are they make it very plain to see. It's, it's, it's all laid bare. In, in Democrat-run cities, which are usually the bigger urban centers, uh, crime is rampant, and theft is rampant, and it is what is leading to the closing of stores in those particular cities. And Democrats don't care. They continue to vote for Democrat. I'm talking about the voter, Democrat voters in those cities don't care. They continue to vote for Democrat candidates, even though they themselves say Republicans are better on crime. How else can you explain the 2022 midterms? How else can it be explained? Democrats admitted Republicans are better at securing the border. Democrats admit they're better at fighting crime. Democrats admit they're better at the economy, but yet we voted Democrat. They, 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 instead of the red wave, we got a little trickle. We got a very, very tiny advantage. And Democrats continue to, to commit the same crimes against themselves. It's, it's truly masochistic, is it not? I can't think of another way to say that. We are being hurt by the policies put forth by the people we elected. And in response to that, we are going to elect more, uh, um, uh, officials just like them. Somebody make that make sense. Make that make sense. I don't think you can. And the, the second part of that, as I noted, there is one alarming trend for Democrats on that particular issue, uh, which is, or the, the particular issue, which is uh, looking out for the middle class as a whole. The survey found that 34% of Republican, or excuse me, of voters believe Republicans are better at looking out for the middle class. 36% say Democrats. Now, that's a two point margin for Democrats, which kind of would expect i suppose because that's their mantra about growing the economy from the from the you know bottom up and the from the center out and so forth but that two point margin is the lowest it has been in the history of the poll 
Democrats have held for over 30 years as high as a 29-point advantage as being the party that is most able to help and handle the issues of the middle class. 29-point advantages. Now it is a two-point advantage, so it, it is shrinking. Are fewer of them suffering from masochism? I don't know. But I do know that it is an interesting survey. As we, the same day that I get news about the retailers losing $112 million because of crime, and the closures of the stores all being left-wing cities, and then we find out that left-wingers continue to vote for the people who are causing the crime and forcing the closing of the stores. And it's just, it's just, it's mind-boggling. It really is. All right. Uh, two, we're going to take a break. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Speaking of crime, the first family of crime has been exposed just a little bit further. I've got more for you. We have, And the fact that this breaks on the morning of the second presidential debate for the Republicans in the primary, this one at the Reagan Library in Simi Valley, California, I'm sure is just coincidental. But I'm going to share that with you, too. Always right radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1026. <clears throat> Thanks for being with us uh, on Always Right Radio. Coming up in uh, in just a few, we are going to talk with um, a gentleman named Logan Church. Uh, Logan is, actually, is Logan a gentleman? I don't know. Logan's a, Logan's a, one of those uh, non-gender names. Uh, could be, Like Chris, could be a female, could be a male. I don't know Logan. I have not talked to Logan. But I am looking forward to speaking with Logan because of uh, what Logan represents, which is... Um, a very important organization um, called uh, Catholic uh, Catholic Vote Ohio, and they are promoting um, the issue in on issue one in uh, November on November seventh. We have to stop that amendment from passing. Uh, passing, put the no back in November. He wrote a great piece, or he or she wrote a great piece, seeing beyond euphemisms. Women and children are under attack in Ohio this fall, and we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about. Um, Issue one in a way that I think is very, very important as we head to the polls in uh, just what, what did we say, two weeks? I think two weeks from today. We're going to go to the polls and, and early voting, and we're going to have to respond to some misinformation or some disinformation that's put forth by the pro-death cult that is pushing for this this issue, and that is that women cannot get health care. Um, this Video was put together by Archdi- the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and they put it on their webpage. And I want to share it with you now because this will set the table for the interview we're going to have with Logan Church coming up after the bottom of the hour. It proposes major changes. I missed the beginning of that. Let's try it again. Issue one proposes major changes to health and safety standards within Ohio's abortion laws. Here are four things you need to know about the current laws and proposed amendment before voting. First, medical care for ectopic pregnancy and miscarriage is legal in all 50 states. It always has been and will continue to be legal in Ohio, whether or not issue one passes. So I'm going to pause there because that's what Jack Windsor and I were discussing. One of the canards that the left that is, uh, you know, the pushing the, uh, the abortion on demand until the moment of birth for any reason 
nonsense they claim is because uh, it's the only way to protect women from ectopic preg- pregnancies. They won't be able to get care unless this passes. This is not. This is not true. It has always been that care has always been available to women for ectopic uh, ectopic pregnancies, and it will not change if and when we defeat issue one. This is a lie. They need to be called out for this lie. Here's more. Second. Current Ohio laws require health and safety standards, like sharing health risks with a woman seeking an abortion or requiring a hospital to be near abortion centers in case of emergencies. Issue 1 allows these standards to be eliminated, putting more women at risk. You understand that? Do you, do you understand that an abortive procedure, if you've paid any attention to it or researched it all or saw the right films, do you know it's, it's not simple, it's not easy? And it is not always safe. As a matter of fact, it's never safe for the child that's being killed, but it's not always even safe for the woman. And complications have happened that have caused major, major problems for women. And if issue one passes and they have abortion on demand, one of the other things they can do, because it is it is written into the language so vaguely that they can do anything they want, is eliminate that requirement that a medical center for full medical care be on-site or nearby, which will put women in very dangerous positions. But they don't want you to know that. Third, current Ohio law requires parental consent for children under 18 seeking an abortion. Issue 1 uses the word individual rather than woman, which would allow a minor to have an abortion without parental knowledge or consent. That's enormous. And they did that intentionally. They didn't use woman because the definition of woman, as much as the current Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson doesn't want, uh, doesn't know, the definition of woman is an adult human female. They didn't use woman, they used individuals so that kids can do this and parents can't stop them. Fourth, women in Ohio already have legal access to abortion and this would not change if issue one fails. The difference being that it has to be within the first, uh, well, not even six weeks, it has to be before a fetal heartbeat is detected and not up until the moment of birth. All of that is on the table. We'll talk more about it with Logan Church from Catholic Vote Ohio next. AM 1420, the answer. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on The Answer. Okay, 1035 on this Wednesday. Thanks for being with us. So um, I mentioned the uh, piece that was written and uh, published in the Ohio Press Network. The piece was uh, actually uh, written by Logan Church, the political director of Catholic Vote Ohio, the headline. Seeing beyond euphemisms, women and children are under attack in Ohio this fall. I just gave you a video, video for me, audio for you since we're doing radio, but I gave you the uh, uh, four facts put forth uh, by um, the Cincinnati Archdiocese about the realities of what issue one does compared to what the left that wants you to push this constitutional amendment through is claiming. And uh, this very, very important piece by Logan Church builds upon that. So let's welcome Logan Church, the political director of Catholic Vote Ohio, to the program. Logan, good morning. Thank you for the time. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Good to have you. So when I read your article and just saw your name, Logan is one of those non-gender specific names. I wasn't sure if you were male or female, so I want to apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, it's uh, just one of those things. So uh, 
I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you writing this. Tell me what kind of a feel you are getting from the people that you talk to, voters in the state of Ohio, about this issue. Do they understand the reality versus the the mythology, I call it mythology, that the pro-issue one constitutional amendment people are putting out there? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's some confusion still, which is so unfortunate. The more we explain and pull back the layers of what this issue is really about, people are shocked that this is even something that could be possible. And I feel like there's some level of, well, that can't actually happen. This can't actually be real. And it's like just having to look them in the eye and say, this is real. This is happening. And we have to do something about it now. Yeah, the confusion, I think, is what hurt us. Uh, when I say us, I, I, I want people to understand. What, what happened in the special election on August 8th, um, was being branded as being about abortion. And it wasn't. It was specifically to change the threshold for amending the Constitution from 50% to 60% and requiring uh, all 88 counties to be represented in petition signatures to get a potential amendment on the, on the ballot instead of just 44 counties. But people were confused by that, and people thought they were voting for the abort or on the issue of the the abortion amendment at the time. I had people call this radio show, Logan, who said to me, "Oh my gosh, um, uh, they want to do abortion on demand in Ohio. I'm not for that. I'm voting no." And we needed them to vote yes because the issue was about raising the threshold, not about abortion in August. It was very confusing then. How do we make people understand the reality of what what it is this time around? Yeah, so, you know, one thing that we've been working on here at Catholic Vote is getting involved on the parish level, um, working with pastors, priests across the state of Ohio, and encouraging them to use their position to educate their flock on what this is actually about. And I've been so excited to see, like you mentioned, the, the Cincinnati the Cincinnati Diocese video. It's a great video, very informative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been excited to see a lot of these dioceses standing up, getting involved, the priest getting involved with no fear you know, behind it, which is great, because at the end of the day, the issue of life is preeminent. And it, it becomes really difficult because when you're talking to the average voter, the average voter thinks that they're voting on pro-life versus pro-choice, as they say, or pro-abortion. Um, and they, they often say, well, I'm personally pro-life, but I think people should have the right to have the choice. And they don't really understand that this is truly a Trojan horse. They're using abortion as a Trojan horse to hide their evil culture-eroding agenda. That's truly what they're after. They're not after trying to provide women the opportunity to to make a choice. They're trying to provide women the opportunity to to injure themselves, to kill their child, and also to take away any parental notification consent out there that we have currently in the state of Ohio. It's very concerning to us. I know it's concerning to you as well. We'll come back to the parental notification issue, which is huge, and you wrote about that, too, in your article. Um, But you just used the words culture eroding. Tell me about culture erosion. Well, I mean, when you see the fact that you know, sitting here with Catholic Vote, I can only speak from where I work and what I see. Um, there are so many attacks on the Catholic Church and people with traditional values and ideals, such as pro-life activists, parents at school board meetings, um, Catholic churches, just conservatives in general. And all of that is happening because the left is terrified 
to let us have our voices heard, let people who believe there's a moral right and a moral wrong have their voices heard, because that works against everything they stand for. I mean, if you just look at their movement, look at their platform, they know that the average American does not agree with late-term abortion. The average American, only 10% think that that's an acceptable earmark, yet that's what they're pushing across the United States. You know why? Because they want to normalize it. They want to make it normal that women, when they're emotionally unstable towards the last couple months of their pregnancy and they're scared. I mean, new mothers who even want their babies, new mothers who are excited to have babies, have moments where they say, can I do this? Am I ready? You know, this is a big deal. And they want to attack women when they're at their lowest. And it's quite frankly, what else do you call it other than eroding the culture that we have? Yeah, I, I would agree. We're talking with Logan Church. She is the uh, political director at Catholic Vote Ohio, and she's written a very important piece about the reality of what's in Issue 1 and what it will do if it passes and uh, uh, how important it is for us to defeat this. Um, you you mentioned parents a moment ago, um, and, and you know the headline of the article, by the way, just talks about women and children, and, and I did an interview with somebody else about this the, uh, about uh, an hour ago. And I said, it's, it says women and children, but it's more than just the woman and the child involved in the abortive decision and process. It is parents as well, because they intentionally did not use the word woman. They, a woman is an adult human female. Uh, they, they have to make sure that adult is removed, so they didn't even bother. They just said individual, <clears throat> excuse me, individual, which would allow minors under the age of 18 um, who are pregnant, and we'll get into the trans part of this in a moment, to act completely without parental consent, guidance, knowledge, or approval. Um, How dangerous is that, Logan? Incredibly dangerous. First of all, let's be honest, and I wrote about this in the op-ed, let's be honest, our kids need us to help them make big decisions. That's just the truth. That's why parents are here. We're here to help guide and rear our children to, to make them the best they can be. So that's just natural. That's why God made parents. It is what it is. But now you're saying that a little girl can make a life-changing, dangerous decision to have an abortion, and mom and dad don't even know about it. They can't even help her. How sad is that? And not to mention, and I'm sure we'll dive into this more, not to mention who got that little girl pregnant. Was it another young boy or was it a predator who's preying on a young girl who now he knows that the law protects him so that he can coerce this young girl to go get an abortion and mom and dad never know about it and he can keep her in that cycle of abuse. And it's incredibly heartbreaking. Yeah, that's... um... That's a great point. Um, there may be crimes happening. They may there may be sexual assaults, statutory rapes happening, um, or or just regular rapes happening that we won't even know about if the uh, if the adult who does the you know the commits the crime against the child commits the crime to not let the parents know and they'll go and pay for the abortion and have it take place and parents and guardians have no knowledge whatsoever. That's a very good point. Let's let's go further into this. You wrote in your op ed. This extends far beyond abortion and even into transgender ideology, uh, indeed anything having to do with the reproductive system, with the goal of obliterating most limits to abortion or sex change surgery for adults and children alike. And with parents cut out of the picture, children are left exposed to those who prey on the vulnerable. Those predators you're referencing are everywhere. They're in schools, they're online, you know, the online influencers, uh, even other teens, uh, you know, know, young people with peer pressure are trying to push people into this massive trans identity and this, uh, this ideology. And the only 
check on that uh, is it, got to be good counsel from parents uh, who need to let kids know that, yeah, maybe you're going through a tough time now. Puberty is hard. It's difficult for everybody. Uh, but you don't want to stop it, and you don't want to fall victim to these kinds of things. Parents have been guiding their kids in these ways since the beginning of time, and this uh, amendment, if it were to pass, would remove that element from the entirety of the child's life. Right. Yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, let's be honest. Kids are really impressionable. They always have been. When you're in middle school, you know, early high school, even elementary school now, because kids are growing up so fast, you're so impressionable. You just want to be accepted and loved and liked and welcomed by a community. And so, yeah, they're already vulnerable, not to mention with the Internet at their palms now, which is a whole nother issue. A lot of parents, working parents, have to, they send their kids to school because they want their kids to get a good education, and they're sitting in a classroom eight hours a day, five days a week, and do they really know what's being t- talked to their ki- what's talked about to their kids by their teachers and by their fellow classmates and by the administration? It's terrifying, and now we're providing uh, just a runway for this movement to, to attack our children at the core, and we, we aren't even being told about it. So I, I think that people need to wake up and need to open their eyes and realize that all of these things are connected. They're not individual battles. It is one giant war. And when you have adult men who want to twerk in the faces of our children for dollars, you can't tell me those aren't, aren't perpetrators. You can't tell me those aren't pedophiles. And now we're trying to pass into our Constitution something that's going to protect them. Absolutely not. You know, the real difficulty here, and I, I had a conversation about this previous uh, to, to our, our chat right now, Logan. We're talking to Logan Church, political director at Catholic Vote Ohio. When you talk, you just mentioned, the, you know, the grown men twerking in the faces of, of children for dollars. They are to blame, certainly, but even more to blame are the parents who bring them mm-hmm. to those shows. And so this is the conundrum. We want the parents to be able to guide the kids into making smart decisions about, you know, things like sex changes, which have become the, you know, the new trend, uh, as well as, of course, you know, the abortion questions. But sometimes parents are, are, <laughs> they're the problem and not the solution in cases like that. Yeah, it's unfortunate to see when you see parents who are trying to stick with the status quo and keep up with the Joneses. And it's really unfortunate when the Joneses become the far radical left. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think that that's a whole different conversation about parents who don't see the nonsense and think this is an acceptable thing to expose their child to. Logan, I want to ask you about your role because you represent Catholic Vote Ohio. And I know many on the pro-choice side, or I call them the pro-death side, because the opposite of life is not choice. The opposite of life is death. Look it up. Uh, Anybody can find that out. But those on the pro-death side will say, oh, these Catholics and these Christians trying to impose their morality on us. How dare they proselytize and try to push us into things based on their faith? While your faith is important, and I share your faith, I am also a Catholic, um, it, you don't have to be Catholic and you don't have to be Christian to understand morality and to understand that life should be protected. Can you speak to those who are secular in nature that, 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 may, that need to be convinced that uh, you know, going along with what we're saying here and defeating these radical amendments, maybe the most radical amendment in the country will be uh, this one if it passes here in Ohio, that, that this isn't about conversion and this isn't about specifically uh, paying praying and paying tribute to a faith but this is just all about this is about life in general 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually the national political director for Catholic Vote, but I'm also running Catholic Vote Ohio for this initiative. Um, And so Catholic Vote was born out of this idea that the Catholic Church has been a beacon of tradition and moral absolutism for 2,000 years, and that the Catholic Church has been someone that stood strong on faith, family, and freedom for a long time. And if Catholic voters would just vote the way that they should, according to the faith, we would never lose an election. So that's where 18 years ago Catholic vote was born. Um, And now, fast forward to today, it's not, you're right, it's not so much about the faith or the religion, but it's about the value system that's found in the Church. And that value system is moral absolutism. It's that there is a right, there is a wrong, there is not a real gray area, and what's right for you, what's right for me, that's, those shouldn't be two separate things. And that's something that we're seeing a distinct line between the pro-death party and the pro-life party. Um, and I think that's really important to note. So groups like Catholic Vote, we don't just represent Catholics, even though we do like to amplify the voice of Catholics and the message of the Catholic Church in the political realm, because we do believe the fastest way to change our culture is through politics, which is why any of us do what we do. But it's more so for Christians and for people who believe as a whole that there is a right, there is a wrong, and we need to stand up and and preach that. Yeah, and and there's evidence of that. Um, in uh, also later in your article, um, when you point out that this dangerous amendment, I'll quote you here, is not in the best interest of Ohioans, and it is far from what the majority want. Only ten percent of Americans support an amendment as extreme as this, with any time uh, for any reason on demand up until the moment of birth abortions, and seventy-two percent. That's an extraordinarily important figure. Support protections for the unborn at 15 weeks or earlier. I'm in the earlier camp, but uh, I will take that, considering what the alternative is here, and that is the passage of this radical amendment. Um, This is too radical for the rest of the country. Why on earth would Ohio think about imposing it? Yeah, I think they're using Ohio as a bellwether state where they're able to say, if we can do it here, we can do it in the 12 states we're targeting in 2024. It's terrifying to think about. I know I've said that over and over, but it's just the truth. I sit at home, I sit at my desk, I sit at these events, and I think, gosh, I just want everybody to hear how radical this is. Because the truth is, your average voter who's not plugged in to the news and they're not paying attention to what's happening happening on the local or state level or federal level, nevertheless, they don't even support this. But how do you get to them? How do you make them aware of what's happening? And that's why I always go back at the end of the article, I talk about this being a Trojan horse. It truly is, because they know that there's a, abortion is such an emotional issue for people. It has been for 50 years. You're either for it or you're against it, and that's the black and white. But at the end of the day, they recognize that enough people think that people in unfortunate situations should have the opportunity to, to choose for themselves or whatever it is. Maybe that's up until 15 weeks for a majority of people. Um, they think because of that, they can slip all of this other stuff in, late-term abortion, paid for by taxpayers, and, and nobody's going to even notice. And that's their goal, and that's what they're banking on. I want to throw one other wrinkle into this, Logan. We're talking to Logan Church, if you just turned us on. Logan wrote a very important piece, which you can read in a lot of places, but uh, specifically in the Ohio Press Network as well. That's Jack Windsor's organization. Um, I want to throw the wrinkle in about pedophilia. Um, I was actually talking to Jack, uh, who is the editor in chief of this this publication, yesterday, and you know he brought something up that has been kind of very loosely discussed, and I want to get your thoughts on it because of the vague language that the issue one proponents have written here. 
um, including the line included, including but not limited to, when it comes to all reproductive health decisions belonging to the individual. Does that not open the door for pedophilia, given the fact that sex is a reproductive act? It is literally the act which leads to reproduction. And if individuals are allowed to make up their own minds without reference to age, 18 or over, does that not allow somebody who is a pedophile to take advantage of a minor, knowing that that minor can make up his own mind or her own mind, including consenting to this, um, because the the new constitutional amendment, the new element of the Ohio Constitution says that this individual can make up their own mind uh, uh, about reproductive decisions, including the act that leads to reproduction. Yeah, so I know attorneys are diving into that since some some people have started to point that out, and that's kind of been on a couple people's radars. So I know people are diving in to say, like, is this real? Because that's like, that takes us to a whole nother level. But I do think this does, you can definitely say without a doubt that it does provide protection for pedophiles because they're able to groom our children and, and coerce our children into having abortions and they're never caught and there's never repercussions for their actions. And so I, I think it is incredibly safe to say that. I do know that people are looking into the other side of things. Um, but no, I, I don't think it's a stretch to connect the protection of predators to this to this amendment at all. Yeah. No, yeah, because we discussed earlier the part of the, the threat of a predator impregnating a minor and then, you know, the minor being able to get an abortion without the parental consent. Um, but but mm-hmm. just the act, even short of pregnancy, just the act of, you know, a sexual, what would be a statutory sexual assault on a minor, um, which would never, would not be a crime anymore if an individual gets the right to make up their own mind about their, uh, you know, reproductive health. And that means having sex. So, you know, a, a 25 year old or whatever age predator could would, could talk a 14-year-old into having sex and the kid approves it, and away we go. Constitution says that the kid can make up her own mind on that matter. It is extraordinarily dangerous. So when you add abortion to the trans issue, to this issue, the potential aid of pedophilia um, uh, and child predation by this, I, it literally is the most, and you said you're the national director, right? National political director yeah. of Catholic Vote? Yeah. So, so you, you see all of the other states. Is this the most radical, given what we just discussed, in the country? Yes, absolutely. It's slowly getting, every state gets a little bit more radical. In Michigan, they had a very similar uh, bill that passed, and yeah. so... Um, not quite as bad as ours, but very, very similar. And it appears with every state they're getting a little bit worse. And so I'm, I'm definitely nervous to say the least as we move into the next cycle where we have 12 states to watch. Um, but I will say on that note, and this is uncomfortable, and a lot of people don't want to hear this, but it's the truth and people need to be uncomfortable. One out of four children, one out of four girls are victims of sexual abuse before the age of 18. And so that is already the statistic. That was a statistic before iPhones were accessible by children. So who can even say what it is now? So that's, that's, that's an old statistic. And so you're telling me that we're going to put something in our Constitution that's going to further endanger our daughters. I mean, I, I'm at shocked that this is something that Democrats would even stand for. Well, 
You just used the operative word there, and that is Democrats. I'm not shocked by pretty much anything Democrats do in modern day America. It's a, it's a different. It's not the Democrat Party that my parents grew up in and were a part of uh, years and years ago. It's a very dangerous thing right now. Well, Logan Church, I want to thank you and Catholic Vote Ohio and the National Catholic Vote Organization for fighting very hard to inform people about how dangerous this is for every person involved, from the mother, the prospective mother, to the unborn child, to the children who are impacted by this because of the vague language, the intentionally vague language, uh, and then, of course, to parents who are being cut out from the decision-making of the most important things that affect our kids. Thank you for what you're doing, and to keep up the good fight over the course of uh, the next uh, 40 days or so until we vote. Thanks so much. Thank you God so bless. much. God bless you, too. 1057. We'll take a time out here for the top of the hour news. Then we'll come back. We're going to be open for you at 216-901-0945, I think I'm going to share a little bit more of the UAW conversation that I had with those who missed it. So that's coming up, and we'll talk more on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Friend on AM 1420, The Answer. All right. Hour number three underway now on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, I want to uh, promote the Rumble. It's uh, Wednesday, by the way, the 27th morning of the ninth month, year of our Lord, 2023. Let's start the hour properly. I want to promote the Rumble channel because I'm going to start putting more and more of the videos, or excuse me, of the audio interviews that we do on this program up with some video uh, at uh, the Rumble channel, which is Always Right Radio. Same thing as the Facebook page, Always Right Radio. Uh, Close to the Truth Social page that I run, which is Always Right WHK. And then on Twitter, of course, you can find me at France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z-R-A-N-T-Z. Make sure you... uh, Take advantage of the social media. We're trying to tick up and uh, build the social media following. I don't do social media much. I don't do it well. I don't practice the strategies and so forth. But I do want to tell you that we're there, and we do have things to share, and they're important. So make sure you check that out. Now, one of the things we're uh, uploading to the Rumble page, in case you missed it, is the interview that I did uh, a couple of weeks back now with, I shouldn't say that, it was last week, with Kim Russell the uh, lacrosse coach, the former women's lacrosse coach at Oberlin College, who was victimized by, well, Oberlin College, just for being Oberlin College. You know what they are and you know what they do. It's a phenomenal story. It's an ongoing story. It is going to be a legal story. 
And we told the story in very great depth with Kim Russell exclusively last week. If you missed it, it's going to be available just in a little while later today on the Rumble page at Always Right Radio. And uh, you can also hear a little bit later today portions of the, or the entire interview, interview that I'm going to share a portion of right now with uh, Dan Schultz, who is the president of the uh, the uh, UAW Local 1005. We are digging in as deeply as we can into the UAW strike because we know that if it lasts as long as it appears as it's going to because of the exorbitant, out-of-control demands of the union for a 46% pay raise uh, and for 32-hour work weeks that come with 40 hours of pay, If that's the starting point of negotiations, we know this is going to be a long, protracted fight. And a long, protracted fight is going to lead to, well, a lot of negative impact on you and me and everybody else at the, um, you know, when it comes to the economy. Everything is going to become more expensive. When the cars are more expensive, it cuts into everything else in your budget. And this is what we're talking about. It's a very dangerous situation to be in. But the UAW, in my view, is being a little bit unreasonable. All right, a lot unreasonable. So I invited Dan to come on, and God bless him. I I appreciate, and and I mean this very sincerely, his courage to come on and and, and have a a conversation with somebody who's going to be somewhat adversarial about this. And that is not to say that I will always... You know, kiss the rear ends of of management and battles with you know with labor, at all. But in this case, I do not believe that the uh, UAW position is tenable. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right. I think it's dangerous. And he was willing to come on and talk to somebody who felt that way. So I respect him for that a lot. Keep that in mind as I play for you the second half of that interview, which I think is what led to a lot of people having something to say. And by the way, if you're a UAW worker, UAW family, UAW retiree, and you want to talk about this and you want to disagree, I'll treat you with respect as well. Um, But just know that we will probably disagree. But it's important that people hear uh, as much of this for context as they can get. So, Whoops, sorry about that whole last One more time. The GM spokesperson said they have made quote historic wage increase offers and a huge economic passage that they uh, package that they have put on the table here. But there's that 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 your side is saying it's not enough. But they're saying they're absolutely willing to make you guys whole uh, in order to yeah. get this transition going. But you say it's not enough. So exactly exactly where you know when you start at something crazy like forty six percent, and I think it is crazy. And when you start at pay us for forty, but we're only working thirty two, I can't even imagine what kind of a cost that's going to put on the company. That's going to be passed on to the consumers on the car lots. Um, exactly how far are you? You know, I know you're not the chief negotiator, but but exactly how how much more reasonable do you think you're going to have to be before we get there? Yeah, again, that was the starting point. You know, I, I'm like you said, I'm not sitting up there at the table. I know, all right? So I, I, I don't. Yeah, right. Uh, it, it, it was a starting point for sure, um, and it was. I would say it would be inflated, but you know what? It is what it is. You know what? These, Mary Barra, I'll use her for example, $29.7 million a year before bonuses, okay? And and she she says she gets paid on uh, her conversation is uh, performance-based. Well, I have to perform my job so that that factory is running the way it's supposed to run so we are profitable. We deserve the same 
conversation as well. Derek, not yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but 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 Dan, but Dan, I don't know, I don't know if that's fair to say. I don't think, in fact, I don't think it is fair to say because what you do, what you hold on, but 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 what you do, what you're responsible for in your part of that plan, your particular you know participation. I don't even know what your job is within it, but but it's very very different. The CEO whose performance affects how many millions of shareholders in the companies, and and not to mention all of the pensions of the retirees and your pensions as 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 time goes on and you guys put all this time in as well if their performance at the top level of things is is not up to par the whole company collapses um you guys are responsible for a very different part of this whole thing which is the actual production thereof you you do understand that also it takes an awful lot more to to achieve a position like a ceo than it does to be a foreman on a line right doesn't mean one is well, better, doesn't mean doesn't mean one is working harder than the other. But I mean, in terms of you know, sure. people people do an awful lot to get those positions. Uh, and 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 typically, when you are responsible for the outcome and the and the income rather of multi billion dollar companies, you are certainly going to find yourself in a position to profit a lot more than somebody who's responsible just for making their quota that day on a line. Uh, yeah. Is that not fair to say? Or? Well, I, I, I don't, I don't agree with it here, and I think we're going to agree to disagree to this. Listen, forty-six percent, it's it's an inflated F, and we understood that. We're st- that's where we're starting our our, our negotiations at, and those were our demands. Now, where we end up, I don't know. You know, that has to come back to the membership and get voted on. But if you look at a current wage we have right now, okay. And and you, you you get the gross wages and you add everything up at the end of the day with the way things are inflating and, and stuff like that, you, you hardly have anything to put away, especially when you're making half of what I make. If we were to increase our wages thirty six percent, I think I think what I what did I see? It was like a three hundred and fifty dollar a month. Uh, 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 that's what you probably have left over after you have a house payment, car payment, utilities, food, and if you're paying for your health care, you can't. It's, and that's if your kids don't go to dance, don't play football, don't play baseball, aren't your hot water tank doesn't doesn't go out. Dan, you're here. making it sound like you guys are working for slave wages, and I don't buy that you are. What's well, the average? What's the average starting wage? What's the average starting wage right now for a UAW plant worker in any one of the big three? What's the average starting wage right now? A starting wage yeah. is sixteen sixty-five. If you get hired right now, okay. So you get hired in at sixteen sixty-five, and exactly how that's how long what, how long do you have to work hiring. before? The, yeah, go ahead. That's uh, okay, hiring or temporary, that, and that's what they're hiring right now. Sixteen sixty-five. Okay, so now. those are those are temporary starting people. Now, what's the average wage though for the average uh, uh, employee? Thirty-two bucks an hour. Thirty-two bucks an hour. Okay. Thirty. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people, to be honest with you, that make thirty-two dollars an hour. Um, and, and and now, is that as much as the CEOs make in the at the head of the big three? No, of course not. But you're not suggesting that it should be, should it? Because again, what they're doing is they're responsible for the success or failure of multi-billion dollar, uh, multi-billion dollar companies and 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 all of your jobs. Here's the deal: it's it's real simple. We're fighting for economic justice and we're fighting for social justice. Okay, we want that home homework balance. We want what what we deserve, what we deserve, and we're fighting for others even outside the auto industry that are working. Anybody that goes and puts their boots on every morning 
or goes and works in a hospital or go works in a factory or a school teacher, policeman, fireman, whatever. Everybody's made these, the corporations and, and, and are making huge profit. We just, we don't want to be, I don't want corporate money. I just want what's fair to me. And I'm going to tell you, you right but now. You, you, don't, you don't think that an on, average wage of $32 is fair, though, Dan? Hold on a second. Let me ask you a question. If you walk into any factory where somebody's making $20 an hour and you say, hey, what if you were making $30 an hour? You think they, would, they wouldn't be okay with it? I'm not sure I understood I the question. Would. I'm not sure I understood so, the question. So, so you're if saying, I offered you're somebody ten dollars more an hour than what they're making, sure, every, anybody would want that. Over but, over here, over a four year agreement. I'm still over not sure of the question. Years. Then you you said you're going so, from twenty so to thirty dollars. I'm asking for fear. I'll, 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 if I'm know, making twenty dollars an hour, I'll, I'll try to answer it as I think you're asking. If I'm making twenty dollars, and I know that within four years I'll be up to thirty dollars an hour, that's that's a twenty five percent pay increase uh, uh, in in my salary in in just four years. That's pretty doggone good increase as far as I'm concerned. That's an average of six percent a year. So so you and I agree. So you and I agree on something. It's well, a, it's a, it's, it's a really good. It's a good thing. That's, we're not asking for the world. We're asking for what we deserve. We started off at forty six percent, okay, but if I get to twenty five percent or thirty or thirty five, who's who would say no to that? Regardless if you're an auto worker or you're well, sure out. you would say sure you would say yes to that. But I'm talking about if but you're on the management so side and you have to multiply that increase times how many workers work, how many UAW members are there that work for the big three. I mean, we're talking about a, a, a multi-billion-dollar, you know, change in salaries and benefits that we're talking about here. While they have to undergo and somehow find a way to keep all of this solvent and to keep you guys happy and to to change over from from their 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 existing plants to the EV plants, which is going to be just again extraordinary. The idea that that, that the pay increases should be uh, as exorbitant as that at the same time is just a lot. It's a lot for somebody to swallow if you're if you're not vested in the you know invested in the uh, outcome one way or the other we are invested in, in in gm and we invested in them in in 08 and 09 when they when they ran it into the ground okay and the government had to come in and, and bail them out uh, along you know obama and bush worked together to do that and the uaw stepped in and said here we'll help you out and now they're making record profit record profit they're doing they're, they're doing better than they have, you know, in many, many, many years. And well, all we want to do is, is is stand up and fight for what we deserve. And we deserve, you know, economic justice. We deserve social justice. What does that mean? And, you keep saying social justice. What does that mean? Well, the work-life balance. Here, social justice is I don't want to have to work next to some guy that's making $16 an hour and I'm making 32 I want these people to be able to go out, make a good living. So you want the people who start, family. hold on, you want the people who are starting next to you at $15 an hour to make your wage, even though you've been there for 25 years? Sure. When I got hired. You want everybody to start out, hold on, you want a new worker to make the same wage as a 25-year veteran. I want them to come in and start at a wage that they can go ahead and have a quality of life that's like mine, and yes, work it, work up. You know, maybe the life of an agreement to get you know four years to get to top scale. There's nothing wrong with that. 
I don't understand how you say there's nothing wrong with that. You're talking about somebody with no experience, no other qualifications. They're newbies. They're first into the plan at the very first time of their lives, and they should be making what you've made. You're making now after 25 years. You, you've been here, here for 25 I, years, and you want them to rise up to your level within just four years of a contract? Why, why wouldn't they have to work their way up over the long term like you did to get to $32 an hour? So, so let's go out. Let's go outside the. Uh, let's go outside the auto industry here for a second. You well, no, no, let's stay there. Our... Answer that for me, because it was your example. No, no, I, I will. I will. When I got hired at General Motors in 1999, all right, I was hired at a lower wage than what top scale was. It took me three years to get to top scale, where I was, I was level with everybody else. So, so in three years, you were making what somebody who's been there for 30 years was making. Absolutely. Okay, and, and see, I, I guess this is where we have to disagree because I think that's insane. Well, I think seniority should be rewarded. I think seniority. Hold on. I think seniority should be rewarded. I think pay increases that come along with more years of experience and more well, years of service. So that, I get thing, that. That's the good thing about a labor agreement is that it keeps everybody everybody on the same playing field. Yeah, but, but not everybody should be on the same playing field. And, and quite frankly, the fact of the matter is that the people who are working in the plants and making the cars cannot be on the same playing field as the CEOs who run the company. If they fail at their job, everything collapses. If you fail at your job, guess what? <laughs> you get fired and somebody else gets slid right into your spot and nobody misses a beat. So, right? should, so let's, let's talk about, let's go outside here again. Do so you look at Yellow Freight, right? Yellow Freight. Yeah, I used to work for him. I used to work for him. I was a yeah. teamster. I, I got, know. I got two. I got two or three buddies that worked for him for thirty years. And guess what? Because of mismanagement, what happened? Well, they, they went under. Them. They they went under. But but is it just mismanagement, yeah. or did the union not Absolutely. not accept? Wait, from what I understand, the teamsters refused to accept a reasonable offer. And by the time how, they finally said, "Okay, we'll take it," it was too late. It was over. Since the, the government bailed them out too, and what they do? They ran it right back into the ground. Well, mismanagement. Well, Dan, I'll tell you what. Put it on, put it on the workers. Put it on the workers' back. I understand. That's what everybody wants to do. Put it on everybody's back. No, I just think there needs to be. I just, I, I don't want to put it on any. Just to put it on the workers' back. But I do. I will say this, and and I really appreciate you coming on and and having this this conversation. Um, I'm looking for reasonableness. That's what I'm looking for here. Forty six percent is not reasonable. Thirty two hours work of for forty hours pay is not reasonable. It's not feasible. It's not sustainable. And no company could survive if they did that. No company could survive if they were forced to pay those kinds of wages and those kinds of concessions. We, We here. It was that was. The demands we put on the table it was a starting point. I know. And I, hope start, I don't. I just don't know. I don't know how low you're going to come when you start off that that crazy high. I don't know if there's a reasonable uh, solution anywhere near in our future, and that means a protracted strike, and that means a huge hit to the American economy and all those well, people you're about, talking about with social about justice this? and being able to pay their bills and everything else. You're willing to throw all of those people under the bus here for an exorbitant forty six percent starting point. I just don't find that. Here, reasonable. I'm not throwing. I'm not no, you, no, I mean the UAW, not you, Dan. Dan, not you. Personally. No, no, the UAW. What the UAW is is we're fighting for for people even outside the UAW, people that are are, are working for non-union companies that are working for for other places that to get what you deserve. Okay, uh, you know, I, I have friends that work or family members that work outside in, in uh, uh, organized labor uh, uh, 
No, you know, I get it. I, I, I know I know what you're saying, and I, and I get it. And I'm thinking about people that are not just union workers outside of the UAW or anywhere else. I'm thinking about consumers as well, and what this is going to well, do to them here, uh, when a $20,000 car is going to cost $27,000 because of what's going on right now. Uh, that doesn't help them either. Dan, I, I'm, I'm out of time. In fact, I'm seven minutes past our out of time. Thank you for coming oh, on sorry. UAW. That's okay. I, I wanted to have this conversation, so I appreciate you very much for coming on and having it. Dan Schwartz, UAW uh, Local 1005 President. Dan, best of luck to you and to all of us in this thing. Thank you very much. Thank you. You got it. 1137. We Okay. Uh, that was uh, from uh, Monday, and uh, I wanted to bring it back because... Well, quite frankly, the strike is still ongoing, and in fact, it's growing. It's getting bigger. Uh, more and more facilities are being shut down, and workers are walking off, and this is going to have a dramatic impact on the economy, and I don't like the way this thing is headed, and I don't think they started off with a good uh, from a good point either. Uh, the idea that everybody should be making top wage uh, just three or four years into, the con- or into their uh, employment, the same as somebody, I believe longevity and loyalty should be rewarded. I understand when the pay rises to 30 an hour as you've been there for a very long time. To do that, starting out is exorbitant. It is not tenable. It's not sustainable. The companies cannot do that, nor should they. Getting what what you deserve and what you are worth, as I said to Dan, you know, that's a a very subjective uh, point of view. I mean, how much is it worth to do your spot on that line uh, in that plant? And the reality is, while it's not you know, it's hard work and it's respectable work and it's good work. Um, it's it's not difficult to learn work for the most part. People are walking in with high school diplomas, walking onto the line, and they want to make immediately $32 an hour. It's just not reasonable. I'm looking for reason. I'm looking for sense. I'm looking for, for compromise in a much, much bigger way than I think they are seeing compromise. Anyway, I wanted to bring that back because I want to give you a chance to call on it. 216-901-0945 if you want to. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, it's uh, 1136, so thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. we got a lot of people. I kind of knew this would be the case. I really probably should have played this earlier in the show, but we had some great interviews live. Uh, but, I, uh, but I did want to play this back for you so you can get a chance to call on it. And I think it's going to be an issue, sadly, for week, weeks to come. We'll probably have plenty of calls and conversations on the UAW strike and what it's doing, uh, what it's going to do to the automotive industry and to the economy overall. I think it's very dangerous. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Anne is calling from Strongsville. Anne, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thank you for the call. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. I'm in the car, so hopefully you can hear me. You sound um, clear as a bell. Thank you. Okay, wonderful. Thanks. So, uh, my husband is a UAW worker for about oh, thirty seven years, and uh, he works for Ford. I'm kind of in the middle of this giant nightmare, so I just want to say a few things, and I think you're getting some aspects of this wrong. First of all, I do want to say that I think the union supports the union. The union is about the union. It's the same with the teachers' union, and I was a teacher, so I I know how that goes. But um, this whole thing about $32 an hour being a lot, That is not a lot of money, Bob, okay? So let me say this. 
Do I think that the young guy coming in should be making what, like you said, the guy who's been there as long as my husband? Absolutely not. You're right. There should be something for uh, years of experience and so forth. But $66,000 a year, if a man was trying to support a family today, that really just is not a lot of money. Look at what your kids are making right now. Talk to people. Find out what are their children making after maybe an associate's degree, four years of college. And then the other thing I want you to consider uh, is the, um, the work itself. These places are dirty, noisy, dangerous. Uh, there's no heat in the winter, no uh, AC in the summer. I mean, they're brutal conditions. And so, you know, you got to pay people money when you expect them to work like that. It's not like working a cushy office job. You can't take the phone call from your wife when she needs you. I can't get a hold of my husband. I'm sure your wife likes knowing she can get a hold of you, at least when you go on a commercial break. Um, but then just one more comment. Okay. I am appalled at, like, the UAW Facebook page and all of this communist-type stuff I'm seeing with the fist, you know, pumping in the air, the social justice, economic justice. Okay, that's just woke garbage. That's woke garbage. But the companies the companies are doing the same thing. The corporations are woke and the union is woke. So that's, that's kind of my two cents there, Bob. Okay. I, I want to hit a couple of things that you just said, and I really appreciate every point you just made. We're going to disagree on what $66,000 a year can buy. I don't know a ton of people that make $66,000 a year. And, again, that's just one income. And what is, generally speaking, usually in a, you know in our country right now, it's a, it's a two-income family world. Uh, that's a really good wage. And the one thing you didn't mention and I know a lot of UAW workers. I know Ford workers, and I know Chevy workers. I don't know any from Chrysler, to be honest with you. But anyway, um, and none of them work 40 hours a week. They work more than 40 hours a week, and they love it, because time and a half, $32 an hour, becomes $48 an hour, and they're not making $66,000 a year. Everyone that I know is making six figures. They're making $100,000 a year to do things, and that while I agree with you, you know, they're not... They're not fun to work in a, you know, in a, in a dirty, you know, greasy, loud environment. I, I've done factory work. I've, I've worked in a radiator factory, which is harder than I think anything I've ever done. And I did it for six sixty four an hour, by the way. Um, so I know what it's like. But, but like I said before, it doesn't take the degree. You mentioned that the young kids get if they get an associate's degree or a four-year degree or whatever. It, you walk in right in with a, with a high school diploma with no skill set. They teach you how to run whatever press you're doing or turn this or whatever that you're doing. It, it doesn't take um, a, a ton of skill to do. In other words, it's a replaceable uh, a kind of a job. So while I understand everything you just said about the nature of the job, sure, it would be nice to be able to take phone calls in the middle of the day, but when you're on a... You know, in a blue-collar physical manual labor job on a construction site or in a plant, that's just part of the way that it goes. You do get breaks and you do get lunch hours and you make your calls yeah. on those well, times. But the point is they're very, very well compensated considering the level of education required, which is pretty much next to nothing. In fact, do you even have to have a college degree to get hired in at Ford? I, don't, I mean, a, a high school well, diploma? I don't well, think you need a high school diploma yeah, well, to get hired in a Ford. You can drop out and still go work there because that's the level of education that it takes to get, to make that kind of wage and is pretty extraordinary. Okay, Bob, am I yeah. on? You are. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, all right. Well, I I was I tried to interrupt you there. Sorry. So my husband is skilled. So he's skilled trade. He's not just the guy. It, it took him a while to get that skill. So, see, I guess what upsets me about you and a lot of other people is you're sort of merging everything all together. Like every single person there is all just a young guy coming in with no skills, no education, nothing. And that's not the case. And I, yeah, I but then there's a reason. There's a reason why. There's a reason why I did that, and I kind of lumped them in because that's essentially what the interview, the guy that I interviewed, said. He well, wants yeah. the newbies, and the UAW no. wants the newbies, the unskilled, to walk in off the street, no education, no anything, and start making within four years what the top line guy is making, who's got thirty years in and who's who does have skills and who is not easily replaceable. That's just an absurd demand. Well, that is. That is, and that is ridiculous, and I will tell you that the people I know that work in the UAW, they would say the same thing. Um, It's silly. But then, Bob, again, look, kids are going into McDonald's making, what are they making, $14 an hour? So we're just living in a crazy world right now, and... I just but think do you understand? But and 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 because you uh, because of what you just said, it's important. And I, I've tried really hard not to interrupt in your entire first you know rant that well not rant, but your yeah, points that you were and making. I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Uh, but I do want to jump in here because you're right. They're making too much money at McDonald's. They're making too much <laughs> money doing little, no skill jobs with no requirements of of talent, uh, uh, education, or anything else. And it's raising the prices there. So when we raise the prices at the restaurants and we raise the prices at the grocery store because now the stock guys are going to have to make 15 or 16 dollars an hour when we raise the prices uh, at the at the at the repair shops and yes in the in the car plants um everything becomes much 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 more expensive for all of us and so we need to get some some control and rather than raising everybody up to a level that is not sustainable i think we need to bring some reason and common sense back Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.